Welcome to the Fit for the Future podcast, which helps you navigate this fast-changing world by bringing you ideas, information, interviews, and insights for being fit for the future. Here's your host, Gihan Pereira. You probably know the story of US Airways Flight 1549. And if that doesn't ring a bell, you probably heard the story of the miracle on the Hudson. So on 15th of January 2009, US Airways Flight 1549 left New York on a routine flight to North Carolina, to Charlotte in New North Carolina. But within minutes of takeoff, both engines failed because the aircraft hit a large flock of birds. And the captain, Chesley Sully Sullenberger, just told the passengers... Brace for impact, and then he and his co-pilot frantically search around for a place to land. So they considered landing at an airport in New Jersey or returning to LaGuardia Airport where they'd left, and uh, they, they eliminated both those options, and they chose instead for a water landing in the Hudson River. And it was a difficult landing, but against the odds, they landed the aircraft safely, and all 155 passengers and crew survived. And the United States media called that the miracle on the Hudson and propelled Sully into instant fame. It was the time of Barack Obama's presidential inauguration, and he was invited to that a week later. He had a Facebook page that was created by some of his fans, and that gathered half a million fans in a month. And he threw the first pitch for the San Francisco Giants baseball team in 2009, and he received numerous awards around the USA, some aviation awards and some other awards as well. And although Sully became famous because of a single event, his expertise was honed over decades of experience. And obviously, he wouldn't have chosen the events of Flight 1549, but he was prepared for them. And as he said in one of his interviews later, one way of looking at this might be that for 42 years, I've been making small, regular deposits into this bank of experience, education and training. And on January the 15th, the balance was sufficient so I could make a very large withdrawal. Now, as a result, he continues to be recognized for his expertise. CBS News hired him as an aviation expert and safety expert. He wrote the New York Times bestselling book, Highest Duty, and he's now a successful leadership speaker and consultant. Now, most leaders don't get the opportunity to become an instant celebrity, but, of course, most haven't saved 150-plus lives either. But even if you're not a household name, you've still got some recognition within your team, your organization, and perhaps even within your industry. And this is the point that successful leaders stand for something and are known for it. And this is what's known as your personal brand. Hello, this is Gihan Pereira and welcome to the podcast. I've been traveling a little bit recently. In fact, I'm on the road right at the moment. I'm in the beautiful Gold Coast in between a trip to Brisbane and a trip to Sydney and then a trip to Melbourne coming up next week. Instead of flying back home to Perth each time, I'm just making it a bit of a, a bit of a long road trip. And uh, recently I've been speaking at a number of conferences to a number of different groups. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to local government managers in Western Australia. So these are CEOs and, and senior leaders in local councils around the state. I also spoke recently to leaders uh, in a large engineering company, a global engineering company. Uh, last week, I spoke to financial planners at the FPA Congress in Perth. And just a couple of days ago, I was speaking to conference organizers in Brisbane about the future of conferences. And one of the common themes that's coming out, because we're talking about leaders and business owners, is this idea of authority and personal branding. It's become more important than ever before for leaders to have their own personal brand and to build authority. Not that they have authority because of their job description or the title on their business card, but because they are an authority and they're respected for that. So today I want to talk about building your personal brand. 
And I'm going to share with you an extract from my new audio program, which is all about authority and personal branding. And I'm going to take you through the six-step process on how to establish authority and build your personal brand. The story you just heard about Sully is from the, the start of the audio program. And what you're going to hear next is an edited version of the rest of the audio program. So I won't go into some of the detail, but I'll certainly give you enough information that you can then go away and start building your personal brand based on the information that I give you. Now that term, personal brand, is relatively new. Some people credit it to Tom Peters uh, when he wrote an article in 1997 in Fast Company magazine and that the article was titled The Brand Called You. But now, 20 years later, it's become really, really important. And many entrepreneurs and business owners recognize this because they know that they can leverage their personal brand for their business. But it's not only for business owners and entrepreneurs. A personal brand is valuable for any leader uh, in any level of, of your organization uh, for a number of reasons. First of all, you can become the, the go-to guy or the go-to gal in your organization for your particular area of expertise. Uh, you get to decide on your own career path because you can align it with your brand. Um, the work that you do becomes more meaningful and rewarding because it's aligned with your personal brand. Decision-making becomes easier because you use your personal brand as a guide. Uh, you can attract and retain the best people because uh, people are attracted to their personal brand and the people who are aligned to it and inspired by it are the people you're going to get. And obviously, they're going to be more motivated when they're working with you. And it's also easier to approach people outside your organization because you're known for not just your title on your business card, but you're known for something additional. And finally, you become a role model for team members who also want to build their own personal brand. Now, your personal brand is not something that's about a logo or a clever slogan or your personality. Uh, broadly, it's based on two things, your expertise and your network. In other words, it's about what you know and who you know. And these go hand in hand. As your expertise grows, you share it more with your followers who value it more. And in turn, they share it further and that attracts more followers. Now, there's some people who are just known for being known without an expertise. We call them celebrities. And there's some people who've just got expertise, but they're not known. And generally, in the business world, they're the academics. So the personal brand combines those two things. Uh, you build your personal brand and you become an authority, an expert who's known for your expertise. Now, as a leader, you already have expertise, knowledge, and insights that other people value. By sharing it, you help others, and you build your own credibility as well. Uh, if we go back a couple of thousand years, a Roman philosopher Seneca wrote, uh, If wisdom were offered to me on the one condition that I should keep it shut away and not divulge it to anyone, I should reject it. There's no enjoying the possession of anything valuable unless one has something to share it with. And this is exactly what we're talking about here. And this type of personal brand, as I said, is called authority. And my point is that you're not a leader because you have authority, but because you are an authority. And this is an important difference. So in the past, you had authority because of your title, your seniority, your age, your gray hairs, your connections in your network. Now, those things matter less now. They do matter, but people also respect you because you are an authority. So your authority comes from what you know, who you are, and how you connect, collaborate, and communicate. In other words, you're recognized as an expert in your field. Now, some leaders resist the idea of building this personal brand, but whether you like it or not, you already have a personal brand because it's the way that others perceive you, and that's beyond your control. What you can control is whether it's the personal brand that you want. So if you design it by choice rather than leaving it to chance, you'll be a far better leader because you're going to attract more real followers. And it'll also position you better for the future because authority will only keep growing in value as a currency for leadership. So I'm going to share with you a six-step process for building your personal brand. And the six steps all start with C, claim, connect, consume, 
comment, curate, and create. So I'll give you a quick overview and then we'll go into these in detail. So the first two are about claiming your expertise, which is deciding what you would like to be known for, and then creating a network of valuable connections. So these are the people you follow and the people who will follow you. Then the third one, which is about consuming, is to tap into your network to find and consume high-quality, relevant material that keeps you up to date with your industry, your role, and your interests. So this is very much about getting stuff in. And then the next three steps, number four, five, and six, which are about commenting, curating and creating are about sharing that material so you share with your followers by doing those three things commenting curating and creating material that demonstrates your expertise and builds your authority now as we go through this you might think that it's going to be a daunting process but keep in mind that you don't have to do it all at once and in fact you can't because it's an ongoing process so you can choose the pace of building your authority and you can choose which items are most attractive for you for example if you've got a burning passion for something you might find it really easy to claim your expertise and create original material around it. On the other hand, if you like sharing other people's ideas, then you might find it easier to consume and curate material. So you've got to find the mix that works for you, but building your personal brand and becoming an authority involves all these six elements. Step one is to claim your expertise. So the first step to establish your authority is to put a stake in the ground and stand for something. Now, if you're already a business owner or an entrepreneur, then you may have figured this out already. What are you passionate about? You may have built your business around that and you may have a cause that you're supporting. But if you're working within an organization and you're an internal leader, even a senior leader, you may not have figured that out yet. So you may have a job title and a description and maybe that's what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. But what's your expertise and what are you passionate about? What do you want to be known for? What are you going to stand for? So if you haven't yet decided on that, here are some clues to help you identify it. Here's some questions that you can ask yourself. So first, leaving aside your role as their leader, what else do your team members constantly come up to you and ask you about? Uh, what do peers and colleagues ask you about? Again, leaving aside your formal role in the organization. Do you have an external profile, say with the media or the public? Are you passionate about something in your industry? Are you passionate about something related to your role? For example, better marketing or customer services and customer experiences or finance as a tool for driving business decisions. Um, are you passionate about something related to your work as a leader? So are you passionate about leadership or talent retention or goal setting? Are you passionate about some other aspect of your professional life, such as networking and connections or media relations? Um, are you passionate about something that's bigger than your organization but related to it, something like corporate social responsibility, climate change, uh, Generation Y in the workplace, working away from a traditional office, female leadership or outsourcing. Now it is important to stand for something and to have an angle and to be known for something but it isn't essential to get this 100% right the first time around. So even if you're not sure of your expertise yet and even if you're not sure what you stand for, just accept whatever feels right right now. And for some people this is a lifelong journey so start the journey anyway. Step two is to connect which is to build a network of connections and you build a strong network both offline and online and both internal and external. And especially if you're a leader within an organization, then your internal network may be just as important as your external network. It can still be an online network because so much work done in, in an organization is now done digitally and electronically, but it might be within your organization rather than online using social media. 
Now, I was born in Sri Lanka and growing up, we always spoke English in our household, but there's an occasional smattering of Sinhalese words. And one of the words that we used when we were growing up, and in fact, we still use, is the word latapata, latapata. And that word means clutter. So if you go into many Sri Lankan households, they're not dirty, they're not messy, but there's just a lot of stuff there. Uh, there's a lot of latapata. And when I look at many people and what their strategy is for creating their network and establishing themselves online, they have a lot of latapata because they're trying to be everywhere. That uh, If they launch their online presence, they want to be on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and blogging and YouTube videos and, and slideshare shows. And maybe the kids have told them about Snapchat and they're trying to do too much. And as a result, it becomes a scattergun approach and everything gets diluted and they run out of energy very quickly. Now, any one of those things might be really valuable, but all of those things at the same time are just going to tire you out. So I reckon the way to start is if you're looking at your internal connections, obviously you will know what platforms are most valuable for you internally. It might be an internal blog, it might be newsletters, it might be an internal wiki or something else that's being used already within your organization. And if you're looking externally, there are three things that I think you should start with. So LinkedIn because it's a really powerful tool for online networking among professionals. Uh, Twitter, because it's more open than LinkedIn, so it allows you to reach out further. And then specific industry forums, because they're specific to your industry or role, so they might be more valuable than LinkedIn or Twitter. Now, this rule doesn't necessarily apply to everybody. There are plenty of other online networks. Uh, some people will get value from Facebook. Uh, some people will get value from publishing videos to YouTube. But if you're not sure where to get started, start with these three and then expand to others. And if you do choose others to start with, that's fine. But again, don't try to do them all at the same time. So we're now up to step three. We've talked about claiming expertise. We've talked about connecting and building a network of connections. Step three is to consume material. And what you're doing is you're using your network to choose. So you're not feeling overwhelmed by information overload. Because you can do Google searches for pretty much anything you want. But the trouble with Google is that there's too much information. And you just simply don't have the time to filter it to find out what's relevant. So instead of relying on broad Google searches or even on mass media, you can use your network to learn from trusted sources that are in there. And this approach even has its own name, your PLN, your personal learning network. Now, this is an offline and online. So offline, this could be the peers in your mastermind group. It could be your mentors. It could be your trusted friends. And online, it includes your favorite online sources, the blogs that you read, the newsletters that you subscribe to, the podcasts you listen to at the gym, YouTube channels that you watch regularly, and websites that you visit frequently. Now, it does take some skill to identify the most useful information and avoid wasting time with the rest of it. So here's some guidelines. So first of all, stop trying to know everything. So you don't even have the time in your lifetime to see all the material that's published today, just in one day. So stop trying to capture everything and get over the fear of missing out on something important. So unsubscribe from newsletters that don't provide consistent value. Unfollow people on Twitter who don't give you useful information and unfriend people on Facebook. So if in doubt, unsubscribe. Then choose your channels. There are many different formats or channels for receiving and consuming information, so choose those that suit you best. For example, I like reading because I'm a fast reader and I can skim material quickly, and I like listening to audio because I can do it in the car or at the gym, but I don't like watching video. Now, one of my friends likes video because he spends a lot of time in the air on airplanes, and he uses that time to watch video. So here are some of the main formats with 
broadly pros and cons. So text is very common, it's easy to skim, it's fast to download, but it requires attention and concentration. Audio, positives, you can multitask, you can listen at double speed or one and a half times speed to save time, but it's not easy to skim and it's not suited to visual material. Video is the highest quality information and it can combine text, audio and visuals, but it's the slowest to download and does require dedicated time. Slideshows are not as high quality as video, but it's easier to grasp your key information quickly. Next, adopt good reading habits. And reading, I actually mean consumption. So look for ways to consume the material when and where you want, not just whenever it appears on your inbox, your device, or your front doorstep. And that means that you take control rather than being at the whim and the mercy of the publisher of that information. For example, if you read a lot of blog posts, use a feed reader like Feedly to subscribe to your favorite blogs and an app like Pocket to save them to your phone or tablet for later reading. If you subscribe to email newsletters, don't let them clutter up your inbox. So if the publisher has a blog instead, then use that so it doesn't get arrive in email at all or create an automatic filter in your email program to send the newsletter to a reading folder which you can read at a lower priority. The next principle is to evaluate material. So as you start sharing what you learn, just understand that part of your personal brand is you're going to be judged by what you share. So be careful about what you share, especially because there's so much misinformation online. So here's some quick guidelines to help you tread with care and to build your online common sense. Uh, seek multiple sources. Don't rely on a single source for important information, especially if you plan to share it. Uh, stick with the crowd. So look for authoritative sources for certain types of information. So Wikipedia, for example, is usually a reliable starting point for your fact-checking and research, but Wikipedia can also be inaccurate, so only use it as a starting point, not as a definitive source. Uh, don't be fooled by appearances. It's, it's so easy now to create a professional-looking online presence that you just can't rely on appearance to judge quality. And look for popularity factors. So look for websites that allow users to rate or rank or, or comment on the content and use that when assessing it. Again, it's not the only thing you should consider, but it's a good starting point. Think about whether it contradicts what's current or accepted knowledge. As astronomer Carl Sagan said, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And beware of your own confirmation bias. We all tend to accept material that supports our view and we tend to discount material that contradicts it. So when you see something that supports your ideas, before you accept it blindly, examine it carefully. I'll also use Occam's razor, which very loosely says that the simplest explanation is probably correct. So if you see something that's a little bit controversial out there, chances are it's probably not correct, or at least it warrants further research. And also look for vested interests. Now, vested interests aren't necessarily bad because in many cases, experts do have natural vested interests or conflicts of interest. Just keep in mind that that means that you should also look for independent sources as well. And then consider their reputation. When somebody makes a claim online, consider their reputation before putting your reputation on the line. Somebody with a proven track record of providing valuable and credible information in the past is more likely to be doing the same this time, and it's not guaranteed, but it's a good rule of thumb to start with. And finally, ask around. If you still have doubts, ask a few trusted friends and colleagues for their opinion before accepting something and definitely before sharing it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they know more about it than you, but they've got a different perspective that might give you important insights into how credible that information is. So, we're up to step four of our six-step process. So, so far, we've covered how to claim your expertise, how to connect and create a network, and how to consume information. And we haven't really talked about sharing any information, but that's a really big part of your personal brand and building your authority. So, that's about to change because the next three areas are about how you share your expertise, and that helps you to build your authority. 
So we're going to talk about commenting, which is about contributing to a conversation that's already out there. We're going to talk about curating material, which is about taking other people's material and sharing it with your network. And we're going to talk about creating your own original material and then sharing that with your network as well. Now, you don't have to instantly become a blogger, a podcaster, or a video personality. You might do that, but it's much more likely to come further down the track after you've built a reputation in your network. Until then, you can still do a lot. And the first step is to comment regularly. Now, commenting online is easy. Lots of people are doing it, but most people just make shallow comments. So instead of that, make meaningful comments that add value to the conversations already taking place. The first thing, of course, is you pick the right platforms, and they're the platforms where you've already started making connections. So if you've been following what I suggested, there would be LinkedIn, Twitter, and your industry forums. And if you've chosen some others, then you can do it in there as well. But commenting can be done in various places. So here are some places where you can comment and add to conversations. So Amazon.com. When you read a book, write a short review on Amazon. Always make it positive because you never know. The book might just not have suited you and other people might like the book. And it doesn't really say a lot about you if you're going around leaving lots of negative reviews. But highlight what made it relevant to you. So don't just say great book. Talk about what made it relevant and how you're using the information in the book in your personal or professional life. Um, similarly with podcasts, if you listen to podcasts, go to the podcaster's website and comment on the podcast. Also go to places like iTunes and add a review and a rating. So as with book reviews, keep them positive and relevant. LinkedIn, I've already mentioned that you should join relevant groups and, and comment on discussions and answer questions. Again, don't promote yourself or your organization, just make solid contributions. Um, if you read a lot of blogs, subscribe to the blogs that you like and post comments whenever you can add value. YouTube. Now, YouTube's a place which has a lot of comments and a lot of those comments aren't very valuable. But if you're looking at business-oriented or professional material, then you might find that the comment stream is worth adding to. So, so find relevant videos there and add your comments. And then, of course, there's the other social media networks. If you, if you can provide meaningful and relevant comments here, do so. And, and this is one place where shallow comments, like just clicking a like on Facebook, are tolerated and even welcome. So feel free to use them as well. And there's nothing wrong with just liking somebody's post on Facebook or sharing it because remember, liking and sharing just makes it more visible to other people in your network, so you're making it more valuable for the person who originally posted it. The next area is curating, and this is curating other people's material. Think about a curator at an art gallery or a museum. So she decides what items to show in her exhibition, even if she didn't discover them herself. And it's quite probable that she didn't own or create the material uh, that she's putting into the exhibition, but she's choosing what's going to be most relevant for visitors. So in the same way, curating content is about carefully sifting through all the material that comes your way and then choosing what to share with your network. In fact, one of my clients, Kirsten Hodgson, puts it really well. She describes it as doing their reading for them. Now, some people are wary of sharing other people's material because they think that it, it diminishes your authority. But actually, the opposite is true. So content curation builds your authority because you gain a reputation for sharing high-quality material. So look around for material that you can share, make sure you've got permission to share it, and then share it. So here are some, some examples of places where you can find material to curate videos. There are places like YouTube and TED.com and a number of other sources which allow you to embed some code from that site onto your blog or onto your LinkedIn profile or LinkedIn Pulse and that shares a video with other people. 
uh, e-books. Now, e-books, you've got to be careful with it. They've got permission to share, and you'll find out by just by reading usually the copyright page to see what it says about sharing it. But if you've got permission to share the e-book or a special report, then you can share it. Um, infographics. Uh, many people create infographics, and they make them available for sharing. So just do a Google search for whatever your topic is and the word infographics, so leadership infographic or time management infographic, and then you'll find a number of infographics, and many of those creators, again, have embed codes which allow you to copy and paste them into your blogs or into LinkedIn Pulse. You can get presentations from places like SlideShare, and uh, again, they've got embed codes which allow you to share. You can get articles from places like ezinearticles.com, and you can even get comics from a number of sources, and again, you've got to be really careful about sharing them just because they're available online and you can copy them doesn't mean that you're allowed to, but there are many sources and there are many cartoonists and comics who allow their comics to be shared, generally by providing attribution, by giving them credit and maybe a link back to their website. But just keep in mind with all of these sources when you're curating material, just providing credit and providing a link back to your website doesn't give you permission to share it. It's still a copyright violation unless the copyright owner has given you explicit permission to share it. Or you're on a site like YouTube where they give you embed codes which are, which encourage sharing. Number six, and this is the last step in our six-step process, is to create, to create original material so you can publish your own ideas, stories, examples, research, and insights. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, you might be doing this for marketing purposes, and in that case, you'll probably do it through a blog, a blog which is probably attached to your website. Now, if you're working within an organization, your platform of choice might be an internal blog or the company intranet or LinkedIn Pulse or, or an internal newsletter or magazine or regular email to your team or you may have something external as well. So when you think about creating original material, go beyond your operational role and share your expertise. Early in this program, you looked at claiming your expertise and standing up for something. So this is the sort of material that you should be creating. Create material that supports your expertise, your angle, and your rant. Now, many people find this challenging, but everything you create doesn't have to be a beautifully crafted 500-word article. And you can find inspiration from many, many places. For example, something that's in the news. You could mention a recent news story and add a brief comment explaining its relevance. In fact, if it's an online news story and you can link to it, then you link to it as well and then add your commentary to it. Latest research, so you can report on new research in your area of expertise and explain why it's important and relevant to the people who are reading your article or listening to your podcast or watching your video. Photographs, take a photograph with your phone, you're carrying it around everywhere and then publish it. Again, along with a brief explanation of why you're publishing it and adding a comment. Insights from a conference or other events. So share an interesting idea that you heard from a conference speaker or a workshop presenter. A workplace incident. So take an incident in the workplace and describe it and then what you learned from it. And of course, this is one area where you have to be careful about privacy, confidentiality and sensitivity. So you may have to change the names and you may want to wait a while so it's not immediately obvious that you're referring to something that happened yesterday. Your sent email. So check your sent mail folder for answers to questions. So this is somebody who's asked you a question and you've responded to it. And that response might be great for writing a little article or even recording a short video. So you take the, the question and the response, you edit it for relevance and again for confidentiality, and then you publish it. You can quote experts. So quote other experts in the field. Um, they might even be your competitors, but you add value by quoting them and again adding your comments to show why they're relevant. And then personal stories. So take relevant incidents from your personal life and share them. 
There are many, many sources of inspiration for ideas, for new material that you can share, and they can all be related to your area of expertise and the angle that you're taking. For example, I'm recording this right now while I'm on a business trip and I'm staying in the Gold Coast and I'm in an apartment here looking out over the beach, over the water. And I remember just walking around last night and I noticed that more than ever before, I noticed many, many more Chinese tourists. And uh, I see them everywhere on the Gold Coast because it is an, an attractive option for Chinese tourists. And uh, in fact, the Gold Coast businesses know this. And so many of the shops now have signs in both English and Mandarin. And I was just walking around last night and just noticing this and observing it. So what sort of inspiration could that give me? Well, as a futurist, I could talk about a lot of things. I could talk about the fact that China is going to be one of the dominant economies in the 21st century. I could talk about the fact that China is a very important trading partner with Australia and it's a great source of inbound tourism for Australia and Australians. I could talk about the fact that we've got these signs in, in two languages, but then Google's also got an app where you can hold up your phone to a sign and it translates it into another language. Um, I could talk about the fact that I lived here on the Gold Coast 10 years ago and then reminisce about what technology we didn't have 10 years ago when I was living here. So that's just a handful of examples that I've got just from that experience of being in the moment and looking around and noticing things that I could then apply my angle and my area of expertise to. So don't think that you don't have any new ideas and you've got no sources for material. There are plenty of sources for material. It's just a case of then adding your angle to it. So get the idea, add your angle to it. And remember that you don't have to write a long article every time. You know, you might do that occasionally, but for many of these examples that I've just given you, it might be as simple as, for example, taking a photograph and adding a couple of paragraphs of text below that photograph, explaining what that means, how it's relevant, and why you're sharing it, and what it could mean for your readers. And that could be a simple article that you post on, say, LinkedIn Pulse or to your blog. So it doesn't have to take a lot of effort. So, we've come to the end of our journey in looking at the six steps in building your personal brand. So, here they are again in summary. One, claim your expertise. Two, build your network of connections. Three, consume high-quality content. Four, comment on other people's conversations. Five, curate other people's material and so you can share it with your network. And six, create your original material. And, and don't treat this as a single journey from the first to the last. Think of it more like a juggler spinning plates where you constantly keep adding energy to six of these six areas to keep them in motion. And regardless of where you are on the journey now of building your personal brand, there's always scope to work on all six areas. So you might be just starting to claim your expertise or you might already be a prolific blogger, or you're somewhere in between. But it doesn't matter. For example, if you think you're only at the start of your journey, here are six simple things that you could do, one in each of these areas. So claim your expertise. Why don't you read a book or watch a video, then summarize the key points and look at ways to implement them. Build your connections. Strengthen at least one new connection a week on your online networks. Consume material. Subscribe to one new learning channel that might work for you. It could be a blog, a newsletter, a podcast, or a YouTube channel. Commenting. Make at least one useful comment a week on some platform where you've chosen to build your expertise. Curate something useful. Take one useful article, video, or infographic each week. This is other people's material. And then share it with your network. Creating something new? Take one of the ideas that I've given you, write something about it, and share it with your team. Now, 
sharing with your team is a little bit less risky than sharing with the rest of the world. Alternatively, don't write about it, but use it as a discussion topic at your next team meeting. So that's easy to get started. And if you think you're more advanced, you might be doing some of these things already, but you're doing them at different levels. For example, you might be curating more than once a week, but only writing every month. So have a look at your activity. Identify the thing that would have the biggest return for the least time. For example, you might want to write one more article every month and commit to do that for a while. I hope you find that interesting. As I said, that's an edited extract from my audio program about authority and personal branding. Uh, but I hope you've got enough information there that you can go away and do it yourself. If you would like to get some more information, then of course you can get the audio program. Just go to gihanperero.com and have a look in the shop uh, or email me, gihan at gihanperero.com and I'll send you some more information about it. By the way, I also have a chapter about personal branding in my book, The Future of Leadership. Because I really do believe that building a personal brand and becoming an authority is one of the nine things that successful leaders do now. So if you'd like to find out more about that, then you can get my book, The Future of Leadership, at my website, gihanperero.com, or go directly to the book website, which is futureleadershipbook.com. So this is the last podcast episode for 2016. So I'll take this opportunity now to wish you a safe and happy Christmas and holidays and all the best for ongoing success in 2017. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found something valuable for your personal and your professional life that will help you become fit for the future. And if you did get some value from it, I'd really appreciate it if you could do me a favor and give me a review and a rating on iTunes because that helps promote it to other people as well. And if you want me to share ideas like this at your next conference, then check out my speaking at gihanspeaks.com, G-I-H-A-N. S-P-E-A-K-S dot com. And if you want to engage with me in other ways, uh, go to gihanperera.com, G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. And there you can find my blog, my newsletter, podcast, videos, and my webinar series. They're all free, and they're all designed to help you become fit for the future. This is Gihan Pereira. Bye for now. For show notes, past episodes, and more, visit gihanperera.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.